0: I'm Danny, That Witch Next Door, and you're listening to That Witch Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode here at That Witch Podcast. I'm Danny. I'm The Witch Next Door. I'm gonna be your host, your guide, your mentor and instructor in all things magic, witchcraft, astrology and witchy business. And I am so excited for today's episode. Happy solstice, by the way. Just first of all, from me to you, happy summer solstice, happy cancer season. I would really love if you would take some time now or today to just check in with your heart center, okay? Tap into that solar energy And just check in with you. How are you doing? And really answer that question. Hmm. So in honor of the Solstice, I honestly, I'm inspired by so many different things. I've really been led to this episode in a million ways. Um, First of all, a while ago, and I it's been a long time and I don't have the message saved, but I wrote the idea down. A long time ago, at least one listener out there, one neighbor, did ask me to do an episode on seasons and go a little more in depth with that. But also, I did I I recently recorded a really cool episode for Ashley, Starseed Shadows from our Shadow Chats here on That Witch Podcast. She, as I'm sure you already know, and gobble up, have she has her own podcast called The Goddess Complex. And I was so honored to record an episode for her that will be coming out, I believe, later this week, where we we at least got started in this idea through the avenue of holidays, spiritual holidays. And really, more specifically for her show, um, we we did, did this deep dive from both this Eurocentric paganism and this Afrocentric paganism. And she and I both did a bunch of of research on each of our sides and came together for a really beautiful conversation. So make sure you're already following her show and you give that a listen. And I'll post about it too, because it was just so fun. But that, really studying for her show... Got me onto so much fascinating research that I was really excited to kind of combine this idea of aligning your craft and your spirituality with the seasons. Um, and all of this information that I learned specifically on the Pagan Wheel of the Year. So I'm here to hopefully give you some new information today. I really hope you get to walk away from today having learned at least something new. We're going to talk a little bit about how you can align with the seasons from this really modern practitioner standpoint and approach. But I also really want to clear up and give some context to this this wheel of the year that, let's be honest, it's been really adopted by Wiccans, but also by, in general, neo-pagans. And neo-pagans just really means modern pagan, okay? Modern Person of a modern pagan religion. And pagan is a big umbrella term. They're a fucking shit ton of different belief systems and cultures throughout time and history that practice paganism. You want to take that locality and culture into consideration when you're talking about the different traditions and, and things like that. We are going to be my research as I hopefully have illustrated to this point. My research really is specifically in a lot of Eurocentric paganism, okay? Really, more specifically, Celtic paganism. That is my lineage roots and also where a lot of my intuitive roots are, okay? I'm I resonate. And again, it makes sense because of those lineage roots. Um, I resonate with the Celtic pagan wheel of the year and practices and the Eurocentric pagan practices. Uh, When it comes to deities, I tend to work with Hellenistic deities or Greek deities. And then I obviously take into account roman perspective and roman roman deities as well because that is what our planets are named after okay so um just giving you a little bit of context and a little bit of my background okay to give you some perspective on this information so by no means should this episode serve as an end-all be-all to this conversation at all This is simply one little witch's point of view, okay? And how I experience it and things I've come across in my studies for these specific cultures and for us now as modern practitioners. Okay, so I hope I cleared that all all up. And if you have any questions, by the way, on any of that stuff, I'm always happy to help. So you can shoot me a DM or you can um, contact me, com slash conjure that witch. So... Let's talk a little bit about the Wheel of the Year. The Wheel of the Year is a term that's really been coined by Wiccans and Neo Pagans, like I said but I want you to not capitalize that for a second. When I say that, I want you to not see that as a proper noun. And I want you to just see it as a term, okay? This very generic term, because the wheel of the year not only incorporates holidays, which you've also probably seen referred to as sabbats, um, but this wheel, we also look at in astrology, right? The Zodiac wheel, the birth chart. Um, And so when I am talking about the wheel of the year, I am going to be using that as a generic term. If I'm specifically talking about the Wiccan wheel of the year, I'll say it that way. I'll say the Wiccan wheel of the year, Um, just to kind of clear that up a little bit, because here is what I learned in my discoveries. So I'm not sure about you, but the way I came into witchcraft and my very, very earliest studies and research of witchcraft found me smack dab in the middle of Wiccan research, okay? And this is not on accident. This, and none of this is like shade thrown at at Wiccan beliefs or Wiccan people, but I want you to understand the roots of all this because it's really important for context for all of this. The Wiccan Wheel of the Year is really, really common in beginner witch literature. And when the Wiccan religion was founded and created in the 50s, I believe I'm getting that right. I'm pretty sure it's the 1950s. I always think 30s, and then I look it up, and I know it's later. I'm almost positive it's 50s. Um, When this, this religion was founded by Gerald Gardner, there are introductory books for Wicca that say the words, you can find them online for your own eyes, that say the words, um, a witch is a Wiccan, a witch means you're Wiccan. And you can also be a practitioner of magic, right? Or what I've explained on the podcast before, I've always said this in a different way. I've always said, you can practice witchcraft with any belief system, right? You can layer it with any religion or spirituality or religious beliefs. And the way that Wiccan early beginner texts would would word this is any if if someone goes by witch, they are telling you that they're Wiccan. Otherwise if they're not of the Wiccan belief system and religion, but they still practice magic, that person is referred to as a magician. I personally disagree with this, obviously, because I am not Wiccan and I very much refer to myself as a witch. And my issue with that is that makes it sound like Wicca created the term witch, which is just not true, right? That's a term that's been in use for like probably hundreds of thousands of years. And there's just some old different Um, communication outside of English or verbal communication that that translates to now our term witch, right? This term has been around way, way longer than the 1950s. So that's just incorrect. But it makes sense why to mainstream culture or our muggles or our normies, right? Or those of us who, who weren't raised in paganism and witchcraft, those of us who came from such an outside point of view looking in and we had to learn what it all meant, Um, yeah, that was confusing. That's confusing. You definitely can go through a period where you think that Wicca and witch are synonymous and they are not. They absolutely can be practiced and married together. But we, we need to understand this distinction because Wicca is a religion that was created and founded upon many, many ancient cultures and practices and that is one thing but the problem is is most wicca literature and i've read a lot okay so i'm not just speculating i've read plenty of wicca literature from their top leaders in that in that belief system that do not give context for where these practices come from that's my issue okay that's getting into the realm of appropriating, honestly. We need to give context. We need to give credit where credit's due because context matters. The roots of these things matter. When we're, and the reason we have to talk about all this, Ashley and I will go into this in, in great depth on her episode, but your culture and your locality, your your geolocation matters. It affects your relationship to the seasons. Just for a very fast example, in the Northern Hemisphere, we are right now celebrating summer solstice, right? Happy summer solstice. But I should also remember to say to all of our neighbors in the summer, uh, sorry, in the Southern Hemisphere, happy winter solstice. Merry Yule to all of you. We look at how much that matters. They're celebrating the opposite time of year. They're experiencing the opposite seasons and seasonal traits than we're experiencing in our location, in the Northern Hemisphere, okay? This is why context matters. This is why I was so excited, honestly, to do this episode and help start giving this context and laying this background foundation because so many of us resonate with parts of the wheel of the year and other parts of it were like, I don't know what it is, but that just doesn't resonate with me. It just doesn't fit. I don't care about it. Um, and I think that with some of this context and background information, you might be able to start understanding why that is. So the main resource that I'm going to direct you to today, number one, I want you to do your own research in all this. There's plenty of it out there. I fell fell down rabbit hole after rabbit hole on the internet. And some of it is spiritual websites, but for the most part, the beautiful part about studying ancient paganism and ancient pagan practices is this has been studied by anthropological scholars, okay? So um, there are tons of very credible academic and and scholarly websites for free out there with loads of information on these people, their beliefs and their practices, or at least our interpretation and our inferences of their practices because many of these practices take place before uh, written record or before people we had written record but they just didn't write it down um not all not all cultures and practices wrote everything down so a lot of it is through archaeology um, archaeological findings and having to infer or interpret okay so always bear that in mind when you're doing ancient history research but the main hard resource that I'm gonna give you that I really really enjoyed again this is um, Overall, a uh, very Eurocentric pagan approach. The book is called The Magical Year A Pagan Perspective on the Natural World by Diana Ferguson. And I will go ahead and link this in the show notes. I, there, she does take into account some other cultures, some other localities. It's an older book. So, She doesn't go as in-depth to some of the roots and, like, specific location of some of the peoples that I wish that she would, like, which country are you talking about? Which group were you talking about? Um, But overall, the actual information provided is very well-rounded. It's a wonderful jumping-off point. And I fact checked the hell out of it in all of my other research that I actually did online. And it is very, very accurate. So if you're interested in and want to work and learn more about the Sabbaths or just the seasonal practice or, or how the seasons were worked with by our ancestors, uh, the Magical Year book, you might find really, really interesting. Now I'm going to direct you to a specific couple of diagrams in this book that I came upon in my research that changed everything because I wish this was laid out this way in all of the uh, Wiccan Wheel of the Year research because it would give it so much more power is having this context. So when we look at the Wiccan wheel of the year, you've seen one wheel with eight Sabbaths, okay? But what these actually are, are two different wheels that have been stacked on top of each other. And the reason for this is because in the most ancient of times, okay, what we would call matriarchal societies, pre- patriarchal societies um the earliest known worship that we can infer is the worshiping of female energy and most likely a female goddess um these are findings from sculptures and cave paintings in prehistoric times. So before we wrote down anything, before there was written language at all in existence, right? From what we can see and know. And this is, the book actually gives a wonderful timeline for all this context, which is what I think I love so much about it. This is what we call the Stone Age, okay? This is the Paleolithic Age, if you've ever heard of that. And the New Stone Age was the Neolithic Age. And this is like cavemen. Right? That very stereotypical way to say it, but just to give you some context or reference, I should say, this is like caveman times. And so these are the earliest forms of worship that we can find. And we can infer that these were matriarchal societies overall led by women and female energy was worshiped. And this also is connected to a time where we worship and followed the moon. And the way that we measured time was based on lunar cycles. This changes and morphs later on in the coming age of patriarchal times with a worshiping and measuring of time via the sun and solar cycles. So what you've actually been seeing, these eight sabbats, like I said, is two different wheels, each with four sabbaths of their own. One is based upon the symbology of the lunar cycle and the lunar year. And the other is symbolic and representative and honors the solar year. So in honor of the solstice, we'll just start with the solar year cycle here. Um, So the winter, oops, sorry, now I'm banging the mic. The winter solstice represents the black sun or midnight sun, so nighttime, right? Winter is the time when we have the least amount of light. The nights are longer than the day. The spring equinox, which takes place at the beginning of Aries season, right? So March 21st, this represents sunrise. And if you look at this from a uh horizon standpoint right standing back and looking at a sunrise we see equal night and equal day because we see the sunrise and we see the sun rising from that sunrise so the the sun is half covered by the hem- the horizon and and half open and you can see it in the actual sky all the way out there on the horizon and this is the spring equinox which is one day that has both equal day and equal night and again symbolic of sunrise then the sun is growing. This is the time of year where the days are getting longer and longer and the nights are getting a bit shorter, which brings us to today, the summer solstice, which represents the midday sun, okay? Like high noon, if you will. Midday, bright full sun. This is what we call the longest day of the year, right? It's the shortest amount of nighttime hours and the longest amount of daytime hours. Then From now until the summer equinox, the ancient people would refer to this as the sun dies today. After the solstice, the sun dies because it starts, the nights start getting longer and longer, which brings us to the autumn equinox, which is representative of sunset. It's another day of equal day and equal night, just like the spring equinox, but it represents the sun going to sleep all the way, right? Heading into the midnight sun. So it's a little bit different. It hits a little bit different, doesn't it? Now, as far as ancient practices go, these are, I want to get all of these right. Okay. The winter solstice in pagan practices is also referred to as Yule. The spring equinox has also been referred to as Astara. The summer solstice also referred to as Letha. And then the autumn equinox referred to as Mabon. So if you've seen those words, I just wanted to give you the association for which um, solar event those took place during. Next, now the lunar cycle also called it, um, have also been referred to as esabet, Um, I might butcher this word. Um, esabets. So there's sabbats and esabets. I might be totally butchering that. Sorry. Okay. Now these are based on the lunar year. And are symbolic of the lunar cycle, like I said, Um, which we talk about a lot around here. So this is also going to sound really familiar to you as well. We begin at the dark moon phase, which is Samhain or Halloween. Okay. October 31st to November 1st. This takes us into winter until we get to the time that represents the waxing moon, right? The moon is getting bigger visually. And this takes us to Imbolc, which is February 1st to February 2nd. That takes us through spring into our full moon phase, which takes place on May 1st, also known as Beltane or May Day. And then this takes us now that we have already peaked at our full moon phase. We now have the moon getting smaller and we're heading into our waning moon phase uh, symbology, which is Lunaza and also referred to as Lamas. And that will take us again into the new moon phase. And so essentially what happened is we looked at the lunar cycle celebrations. We looked at the solar cycle celebrations and we we lined it all up and put it all on one year which is totally fine. That's fine. That might resonate with you. But these are based on two different schools of thought. These were these came from two different schools of people with different traditions and different beliefs, okay? Totally different time periods again that the timeline page it's a couple pages before this within the book that actually shows you the years of when these were practiced, yeah, it puts things into perspective. So it makes sense. I just want to let you know it's very valid if there's parts of the wheel that totally resonate with you and parts that you're like, man, I don't know what it is, but it just doesn't fit in my practice. That's okay. Get rid of it. You don't need it. Okay. So now that we've had a little bit of a history lesson, Let's talk a little bit about what this means for you and your practice, okay? First of all, I want this to really inspire you to do your own research. That might be straight to the internet like me and actually looking into some of the history of this. This might also be an exploration in your chart. Number one, maybe while I was going through those, you found, oh, I definitely resonate with one or the other. Maybe I resonate with the solar cycles, more than I resonate with the lunar or vice versa, okay? Um, You might find traits in your chart that indicate that. One fun tip is you can go ahead and look in your chart and see if you have what's considered a sunrise or a day chart or a sunset or a night chart. And it's really, really easy. So you pull up your birth chart. You want to see the actual wheel. And notice how the wheel is intersected, right? Perfectly in half at the horizontal, that's the the hemisphere line we're looking at. If your sun sign is at the top in the top hemisphere in houses basically 7 through um 12, Jesus. Uh you have a daytime chart. It's above the horizon. If your sun is below that in houses 1 through 6, like mine, my house is in my or my house. My sun is in my third house. This is a nighttime or a dusk, or a sunset chart, okay? And this it, that's just a fun rabbit hole to go down. So look at your chart, see which one you have, and go ahead and Google that. That could be really fun. But that could also indicate your associations or connections with solar versus lunar cycles, number one. Um, number two, take your chart ruler into consideration. Take all of your your placements into consideration. Do they lean more sun type energy, or do they lean more lunar type energy? That could give you an indicator there. And honestly, if none of the pagan side of things resonates at all with you, that's okay. Throw it away and get rid of it. It doesn't need to be in your practice. You can honestly just practice and kind of commune and connect with the seasons themselves. The Let the earth do the magic For you, essentially, right? Look around you. What's the weather like? What plants are growing? What plants are dying? What's in season? What's out of season? What mood is everybody in? Pay attention to your own immediate environment. Honestly, just so you know, that's what your ancient ancestors did, right? There is this beauty of our technology in that we get a transport to these other parts of the world essentially right we can i can with a freaking couple swipes of my phone literally be immersed in a totally different location of this world right now and there was a time where the simplicity without that that possibility helped us really connect with our present environment, with our present location and our present community. And to me, that ultimately is what a seasonal witch is. If you like learning about all the history, like I do, by all means, dive on down. The rabbit hole is cozy. We've got lots of books down here, (laughs) but You also don't have to. It's kind of a really beautiful branch of magic and witchcraft. It's a really beautiful aspect of energy work is you also don't need a lot of those things to just practice with what is right the fuck in front of you and around you and what you're just experiencing right now. So if you don't necessarily feel called to like, Danny, I am not the history nerd that you are. That's totally fine. What is the now research that you can do? What have has been in your day-to-day environment that you've kind of been overlooking up until now? Again, that could be in-season and out-of-season produce. It might be the vibe or the mood that other people are in, right? All of these different things. Start paying attention to and leaning into those. That's leaning into the seasons and seasonal energy. Um, and if you just really associate and resonate with the astrological side of things, then the easiest way to connect with this energy is working with lunar cycles and working with solar cycles. Okay. You may, that's a very non denominational way to go about connecting with these with seasons in your practice is just from a straight up astrological point of view. And that's where we really look at, okay, right. The sun moved into cancer today. That's the day of the summer solstice. I know that the sun represents this. I know that cancer represents this. I hope you listened to Monday musings yesterday. Cause I talked about this. Um, and I sent out a little email about it too. Um, but you could totally approach all of this from that standpoint and have a totally connected really illuminating really unique and beautiful seasonal practice of your own through simply this astrological facet okay so there's lots of ways to get there um one last little resource, a couple resources i guess i should give you um you know i hope that if you've if this is not the first time you've you've listened to this i hope you already know these resources but the magic of i Uh, planner, right? The magic of eye astrological journal and planner. Wonderful, wonderful seasonal resource. Okay. It's a calendar, it's a planner, but it's also a journal more specifically a moon journal, but it's also solar because it goes into the months. Um, and it's based on the solar year and everything. So that's a wonderful, wonderful balance of the, the two, the lunar and the the solar energies and working with the seasons in that regard. But also the Honeycomb Collective Personal Astrological Almanac wonderful resource for more custom and personalized toolkit, because they will print your actual natal chart and not just the mundane and collective transits, but any transits to your natal chart as well. So that's just an even more personalized uh, way. And both of those, Magic of Eye Planner and Honeycomb Collective, I am affiliates for. So if you like and want to support the show, you can find the info in the show notes to uh, get yours today. And then um, also the you'll find the link for the magical yearbook I mentioned. And one last one that I found recently that I really like, because again, a lot of from the witchcraft avenue, a lot of the seasonal books that you'll find are really, really rooted in, Wicca and and Wiccan belief system. And so if you don't resonate with that as much and you're looking for more of just a witchcraft centric, still non-denominational but it's got that little pagan spice in there, right? We've got a little dab of the paganism in there. This book that I got this year that I've I've been really enjoying so far is called The Hearth Witch's Year by Anna Franklin. And it is Rituals, Recipes, and Remedies Through the Seasons. And again, it's, it has this pagan twist on it but it's not in your face. It's totally still customizable to you and your practice and your craft, which as I'm sure you know, I'm a huge, huge fan of. So I hope that you learned something new today. I hope you feel a little refreshed and inspired um, to connect and lean in more to such a naturally earthly process of working with and leaning into seasonal practices, okay? Um, really let the warmth and abundance of this summer solstice fuel that fuel that curiosity and fuel this new and rebirthed connection for you, okay? I am so appreciative of every single one of you out there. Thank you so much for taking your time to come sit with me here on the show today. I hope that you have a beautiful rest of your week. I'm sending you All the solstice blessings, the summer solstice here in the Northern Hemisphere and the winter solstice blessings for all of our neighbors in the summer Southern Hemisphere as well. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being you. Stay safe, have fun out there and stay magical. Hey, magical human. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of That Witch Podcast. If you want to support the show, the best way to do that is to share with a friend or give a shout out on your social media. You can also leave a five-star rating and review on both Apple and Spotify. And if you can't get enough of all of our witchy, magical content here in the neighborhood, you definitely want to make sure you're subscribed to my email newsletter, That Witch Gazette. It's a really fun, really convenient one-stop shop to stay up to date on all of the news and happenings here in our neighborhood. If you have any questions, suggestions, ideas for the show, or if you'd like to sponsor an episode, you can send me a message at thatwitchnextdoor.com slash conjure that Thank you so much. I'll see y'all next time.